You can allow God's word today to change you. You can allow it to take root in your life. You can allow it to really penetrate your heart. You can allow it to really, really, really make a transformation within you. And you can respond to it. And by evidence of that change will be a response. Or, or you can take what you hear today and every other Sunday for that matter. And you can maybe jot a few notes down. And you can go home and you can forget about everything you heard. And you can eat your lunch. And you can go on throughout the rest of your day having fulfilled your church quota. But we're not here to get you to fill a church quota. We're here to get you to fill a kingdom quota. And that kingdom is transformation in your life. So today, I want you guys to allow God's word to take root and respond to it. Respond to it in private time when you get home. Respond to it in your everyday life. Respond to it here. I always tell you, you don't have to shout amen just to make me happy. But, the, but, but really, by doing that, what you're doing is you're responding to God. You can say, okay, you know what? I, I, it's not because the preacher said it. It's because God just spoke something to me, and I'm going to shout it somehow, some way. So that's what, I, that's what I encourage you to do today through this, through this message. First thing I want you to write down, I want you to write this down. We're going to take a few notes today, okay? Not a whole bunch. I'm going to have you write four or five things down tops. The rest you can fill in in between. The first thing I want you to write down is this. To love is to serve. To love is to serve. And to serve is to love. To love is to serve. And to serve is to love. Before I can go any further here, and before I can really empower you to be a servant of God, we must first understand as a body, and you must understand as individuals, exactly what it is that serving is all about. Uh, what, what is it? What, what is the big idea with serving, with stewardship? Well, as I mentioned earlier, to serve is to love. To serve is to love freely. To serve is to love and serve the unlovable. To love and to serve is to still attempt to serve the unservable. We'll get to what that means here in a second. And, and really, when we turn to Scripture, who's the best example of the one who served the most and served the best? Jesus. That's right. You're absolutely right. And here's what Jesus did. Let me give you a couple of examples of what he did. You don't have to write this down. Just make a mental note of it. Jesus loved and served the unlovable. Exactly. Everybody should say that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Because there were times where we were unlovable, where you were unlovable, where she was unlovable, where I was unlovable. But when the world turned their back on us, maybe it felt that way. God didn't turn his back on us. And he kept on after us. And he kept on after us. And he kept on after us. A testament of that is that you're here today. So God loved and Jesus loved and served the unlovable. Here's what else he did. He loved and served those who never offered anything in return. He, ne- he went around all kinds of towns. And I'm going to give you an example of this in Scripture later. But he went around towns all over, all over the land and served and loved those people who never even came back to say thank you to him. But he still kept serving. And he loved and served those. This is going to be really good for you. He loved and served those who attempted to drain the very life out of him. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about those very draining people, VDPs, as I heard somebody say. The very draining people, those who come into your life and don't make any deposits. But all they do is just drain you and drain you and drain you and drain you and drain you. I'm not trying to pick on anybody here, but we know who we're talking about. You know, those kind of folks who come into your life and all they have to do is give you the next bad report or why their life stinks or why they need your help or what kind of new dramas in their life. Don't stop loving them, but it's those kind of folks that sometimes can drain you, but God and Jesus still love them anyway. And he still served them anyway. 
And he was still for them anyway. And it takes the living spirit of God to empower us to serve people like that. I hope you know. Otherwise, we're going to go crazy. Otherwise, we're going to go crazy. So those are his characteristics, uh, some examples of what Jesus did. I, I want to take you now into a couple of characteristics about serving and how they can apply to us. Here, you don't have to write this down. I'm going to give you some notes later, but just make a mental note. If you want to write it down, you can. Serving is surrender. I'm just setting the stage here right now, okay? So just bear with me. Serving is surrender. What do I mean by that? Well, to serve is to literally give of yourself. You cannot give of yourself until you give that part of you up. So you can't go out and serve for two hours until you've made the decision that you don't have those two hours anymore. You're giving them away. Serving is surrender. You can't serve with your money until you decide that, hey, whatever I give out of my pocket doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm giving it up. To serve is to surrender. And we're going to dig into that here in a moment. Serving is messy. Serving is messy. And we all know how messy serving can get sometimes. It can get really messy. And there's times where you'll serve and the situations just aren't exactly what you think they ought to be. Uh, there could be some drama involved. There, there, there could be some headbutting involved. You can go into serving in some areas with some people where the situation isn't always pretty. Uh, things can get hard. Things can still get draining. Still can get, you, know, you can still get uh, fatigued. Uh, it's, it's messy work. In fact, I heard my pastor, Pastor Page, say years ago, when he described what serving and ministry was all about, somebody here may remember this, you may not, but he said that ministry literally means messy work. And you ever seen that TV show, Dirty Jobs? Yeah, you know, that's, that's ministry for you. So if you think ministry, somebody said this to me this week, if you think ministry is all about the pastor and the people who lead in a room praying and brainstorming about the next great thing, that's part of it. But serving is messy sometimes for us. Serving is messy. Here's the last thing I want to tell you before I move into our scripture reading. Serving is giving of yourself. Now, that kind of ties in with serving is surrender, but at the same time, it's a little different. Because sometimes we can serve without really making a sacrifice. Sometimes you can give of your time. Sometimes you can give of your talent. Sometimes you can give of your finances. But it's not really making a sacrifice. Jesus uh, alluded to this one time when he was at the temple courts. And if you remember, there was uh, Pharisees were, had their little can out, the little can that they're always collecting money with. And if you remember, this little old lady came and, and dropped one coin, and, and it was the equivalent of, of hardly anything, but it was everything she owned. And Jesus said, this, this woman has given way more than any of you. Hey, okay, hold on a second, Jesus. What do you mean? I, I, just, dropped, I just dropped $100 in the offering plate. Yeah, but you got 10000 you've been sitting on for the last 10 years. This woman came and gave everything she has. Everything. She doesn't, she doesn't own anything else. She came in and she put it all in here. That's a sacrifice is when you put your faith on the line. Is you really say, okay, all right, this is for real. This is for real. I don't have, my schedule doesn't fit me, but God, somehow make it possible for me to serve your kingdom. My, 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 my checkbook doesn't add up quite right, God, but I'm feeling led to give sacrificially. Somehow find a way for me. I guarantee you, if you look for a place to serve, God will find you a place to serve. He'll find you a place to serve. So, 
Here's where I want to go with this. I want you to write down three points today. Three points. This is this. Now I'm getting into my sermon now. Three points. Here's the number one point I want you to give. I want you to write. It'll be on the screen right after this one. You can't lose what you don't have. You can't lose what you don't have. John 10, 17 and 18 says this, and it'll be on your screen. Just read along on the screen with me. John 10, 17 and 18 says this. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. This command I receive from my father. Here's here's what I'm trying to get to with this. See, Jesus... You don't have to feel bad for Jesus when you think about the pain that he went through on the cross. You don't have to feel bad for Jesus when you see the movies and he gets the nails driven into his hand. You don't have to sit here and feel bad for him. He could have stopped it at any point if he wanted to. He could have called a thousand angels to come and set him free and slay every single soldier there on the ground. Jesus did that because he chose to do that. He chose to lay his life down. He chose to surrender himself. Here's what he did. He says, nobody can take my life from me. No, nobody had to weasel him into it. You didn't have to offer him any amount of money for him to do it. Nobody had to talk him into it. Nobody had to take Jesus into a corner and say, hey, Jesus, I got a proposition for you. Since you're the only perfect being on the whole planet and nobody else can make their sacrifice for us, why don't you die for me? And I'll tell you what, I'll offer you something in return. That wouldn't have worked. Because Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand, buddy. I don't need what you have to give me. I already own everything you own. I'm putting everything on the line, Jesus said, It is my choice. I'm choosing to die. Here's what you ought to feel bad about when you think about this. Don't feel bad for Jesus. Feel bad about any unrepentant sin that's in your life. For it is because of that sin that Jesus had to come and die in the first place. So Jesus didn't have to, he he didn't have to uh, uh, do this. He chose to do this. How does that even tie in? Well, because Jesus came to live a life of sacrifice, he then calls us to live that same life of sacrifice. How do I know this? Well, take a look at the next scripture. It's found in the book of Matthew. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and do what? Follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see, Christ served humanity by giving of himself, but then he commissions us to do the same thing. See, what do I mean by this whole thing? You can't give or you can't lose what you don't have. Well, think about it this way. You've already given it all to God. You've already laid down all of your rights to the Father. Nobody can violate them anymore. You've already given them away. You've already given your time away to him by saying, I'm going to die to your cause and to your purposes. So nobody's demanding anything of you. You've already given it away. See, that changes the whole perspective when you really think about it because it no longer becomes about what you're able to do within your own power. It's all about what God's able to do through you because you've now given your life to him. I just said something and nobody in here even shouted. It's all about what he can do through you. Because he is able to do so much more. That's why it takes Jesus to come in and take over us. 
Because guess what? We can't accomplish even this much compared to how much one can accomplish in the name of the one, in the name of Jesus. You ever seen this movie with, um, uh, it's called Dead Man Walking. Anybody ever seen that movie? You know, whenever you hear that term, that phrase, dead man walking, usually you get this, um, this really somber kind of feeling. It's a sad feeling. You know, dead man walking because you know he's going to die. I'm going I'm to change that phrase for, for now and forevermore. Here's, here's the new phrase. Dead man walking in Christ. See, that changes everything. Because when you're walking in Christ and you're dead to yourself, it's not a reason to be sad. It's a reason to be joyful. It's a reason to understand that, hey, I have a new life in him. And everything I do and accomplish will be accomplished through him. You can have peace in your life because of your death in Christ, no matter what's going on around you. Let me give you an example of this. Um, Psalm 61 is one of my favorite psalms in the whole wide world. It's not on the screen. I won't read the whole thing. But in this psalm, King David, he says to God in heaven, he says, God, I long to dwell in your tent forever. That tent being that holy place. Usually when you read that passage like that, it usually means to that heavenly realm. That, that place, that sweet spot with God that you'll only get to at the end of your life. The New Testament kind of comes into the picture. And Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, you know, I, when, I t- when I read that, I think to myself, okay, you know what, Jesus? Um, there, there's something special that takes place upstairs that can take place right here. And it can take place in our presence. Let me give you an example. How many of you guys like the tent? Give it up for the tent. Just clap your hands for the tent. I know, it's just a tent. It's just a tent. But, you know, when we think about serving, I'm going to get in my tent here. Wish me luck. Can you still hear me? This is kind of cool. You can hear me and I'm in here. Where's the voice coming from? You see, when you're in your tent with God, I just look like a one-headed guy, right? And you're dwelling with God in your tent, and he's empowering you to do everything, and he's giving you that power. You can go into your tent with God, and you can come out. And you could be ready to face anything. You could be ready to take the world by storm. But it's going to take you being in that presence of God. I kind of got away from my point, but that just came to me, and I wanted to throw that in. So my first point was this. You can't lose what you don't have. Why can't you lose what you don't have? Because everything you are, everything you own, everything you hope to be, and everything you will be, and everything you do is in the hands of the creator of the universe. Here's my second point. I want you to write this down. Point number two. Not all good investments bring about a good return. Not all good investments bring about a good return. I'm going to read that to you. It's on the screen, but let's read to the, let's go to the next slide, please. The next slide says this. It's found in the Bible. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. 
He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go, your father has made you well. Let me just kind of paint the background here for you. This ties into stewardship better than anything else you'll ever remember. Every, if you remember anything, remember this when it comes to serving. We see a picture here, a description of an experience Jesus had with 10 men. These ten, this 10 men were lepers. I mean, they were at the end of their rope. If you had leprosy in that day, just, you know what, just good luck. Just good luck. Wish you the best. It's, it's, it's really like that. It's like, it's like I'm... There's this TV show called Lost. I'm kind of hooked on it, kind of not. Maybe that's not something to admit up here. Anyways, these guys, they crash in a plane, and they end up on a desert island. And all you can do is just say, good luck. You wish them the best. You had leprosy back then. It was just like that. There was just no hope for you. And these 10 men noticed that Jesus was coming, and they cried out. And they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. People at the end of their rope wanting a miracle, needing a miracle in their lives so that they can go back to their lives, so they can go back and see their wives so they can see their kids again, so they can go back and worship in the synagogue, so they can go back to work, they can go back to the harvest and pick grain and get back to life because they lost life. Life was no longer around them anymore. Life was in the hills, in the desert, by themselves. And all they could do was just wait, 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 wait to die. Wait to die. And Jesus comes by and heals them. He says, hey, I'll tell you what, all right, you want to get healed? Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Here's what's really interesting about this story is that there were 10 lepers who were healed, but the Bible says that only one came back. Only one, only one. Now that may not even be significant had Jesus, had Jesus not asked this question. Here's the question he asked when he saw the one leper who came back, fell at his feet. Thank you, God. Thank God. Praising God, worshiping God for the miracle that took place in his life. Jesus obviously accepted that worship, received that worship, and here's what he said to him next. Were there not 10? Hold on a second here. Didn't I heal 10 of you guys? Where where are the other nine? See, that signifies something important in Jesus' character. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people, which means he takes it in. He enjoys it. See, he wanted these other nine to come and praise him and worship him. He desired that these other people came and showed appreciation for what he had done. I got something to tell you, church. You're going to serve some people in this ministry, and they're not going to show any kindness to you at all. You're going to be kind to people who just aren't going to be kind back. You're going to go and give to people who aren't going to give back. You're going to pay for somebody's rent one month, and they're not even going to say thank you. But that's the work that we're in. But here's what's really interesting about what Jesus did. Okay, here's what's really interesting about what Jesus did. If you read what happened next, it's really interesting. Here's what happened next. He kept going. He kept serving. He kept loving. That didn't stop him. So many times in the church, lack of appreciation tends to hinder the spirit of stewardship in the lives of the people. Lack of appreciation Lack of return makes us feel as though our work isn't achieving anything. I got news for you. We, we don't get a dividend on earth all the time. We are storing treasures up in heaven. That's where the real treasure is going to be. Don't allow that spirit take you and, and, and overwhelm you and make you feel as though, well, you know, they're not, I went and served to the community and, and nobody even bothered to say anything. And I, and I went and showed love to some people and, and nobody, nobody, even, nobody even noticed what I'm doing. Nobody even, I'm here, I, nobody notices what I'm doing. 
The only one who really matters is the one who notices what you're doing. And that's God. And that's God. That's God. God notices what you're doing. God sees what you're doing. Let me give you a few things to go with this. Not everyone you're nice to is going to be nice back. Not everyone you do something good for is going to do something good back for you. Not everyone you serve is going to show appreciation for what you did. In this particular story, Jesus is averaging about a 10% return on his investment. He healed 10, one came back. And if that didn't stop Jesus from going, then nothing can stop us from going and moving forward. Think about it like this. When you think about serving and go go into serving and into being a steward with this in mind. Here's what I want you to do. Most of you have kids. Think about it when your baby was born. You knew right off the back that that baby wasn't going to pay the rent. You knew right off the back that that child wasn't going to fill up your gas tank for driving into school five days a week. You knew they weren't going to offer you half of the mortgage payment because they occupy a room in your household. They weren't going to give you anything back. You went into that relationship already knowing that. Here's the the way you went into that relationship. I can't wait to give this baby everything I can. I can't wait to love this child the way I, 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 the way I can love. I, I can't wait to hold him. I can't wait to pick him up in the morning. I can't wait to see him cuddle with me. I'm going to hold him down and cuddle with me even if he hates it. I'm going to walk him to the store. I'm going to buy him M&Ms like I do for Hezekiah. And Christina hates it when I do that. I am going to do everything I can. And there's nothing this child can do in return for, to make me love it more. I'm just going to love it. You see, that spirit that we have towards our child is the spirit that God has towards all of us. Some of you may be thinking, hold on a second, Romero, you're going way overboard. There are things that make God unhappy about us, and sure there are. Of course, that's why, he, that's why he says, I give you grace. That's why he says, I died on the cross for you. So let's go into our relationship with other people. Let's go into this, into this season of stewardship with that attitude in mind. I don't care what I get. I just want to give. I just want to give. Here's the, my third point, my final point. <clears throat> I want you to write this down. It's a question. Where's your quiet place? Where, where's your quiet place? Write that down. It's on the screen. Let's move on to the scripture. The scripture says this in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35 reads, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And before I describe what's going on here, the purpose of this point is to teach you that you can't serve on empty. You can't give on empty. Jesus went into a quiet place on his own to pray after he had healed, after he had loved, after he had poured himself out. And quite often in scripture, we read that Jesus went off to refresh, to pray, to spend time, and to get strength, and to get a renewal, because Jesus spent so much time pouring of himself. Most of what he did was pour himself all over, all over the people he came in contact with, all the way to the bitter end when he poured his blood 
all over the cross. He literally gave everything he had. But he couldn't do it without empowerment from the Spirit of God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed to fast for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. But he did. And throughout his ministry, he prayed. Serving can be draining. Serving can really, at times, drain the very life out of you. Serving, at times, can have you go home after a day of serving with a headache the size of a spaceship. And all you want to do is lay down. And then all you want to do is just reflect. Sometimes you'll serve in some areas where you see kids and you're touched by, you're touched by how you see their life and you see the smile on their face. And, you, and, 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 and because of that joy, you, you, you cry a silent tear and, and that drains you. And you speak to mothers and you speak to fathers and you speak to single mothers and you speak to widowed mothers and you speak to fathers who maybe just came out of jail and and families and you hear of all the stories and you're literally taking all of this in, all of this in, all of this in and you're pouring yourself back out and back out and at the end of it all, you're like a vessel that's empty. But see, God has given us an opportunity to come to him through prayer so that we can be refreshed, so that we can be renewed. Paul says in the New Testament that I can now approach the throne of grace boldly and ask for whatever I want. Jesus said, ask for it in my name and it will be given unto you. I'm not talking about money and lottery, so get that out of your head. But if you come to the Father after you've poured yourself out and you say, Father, Abba, Father, I give myself to you. Pour me back out and you praise him and you love him and you lift your hands and you just say, thank you. You're going to be refreshed. You're going to be renewed. You're going to get up and you're going to feel like a million Bucks. How many of you guys want to feel like a million bucks? How many of you guys want a million bucks? I do. I do. But I'd rather feel like a million bucks because of God's spirit than have a million bucks and not feel him at all. See, that's what God can do for you today, church. He can renew you. But here's what I want to say as the song. I can't remember the hymn. It says, there's a grace that we so often forfeit. So many of us often forfeit that grace that we can receive from God because we don't go to him in prayer and we don't spend that time with him. See, our relationship with God isn't, um, I've got news for you, it's just like any relationship, it's work. Here's what I want to tell you before you get the wrong idea. First and foremost, Jesus did all the work already. He died on the cross, he paid for your sin, there's nothing you can do to earn it. Nothing, just forget about it. It's not about what you can do to earn his good graces. You're, you're already in them. You're a child of him. All right? But, but he does throughout scripture, and he does all throughout our lives, create for us opportunities so that we can come into communion with him, so that we can receive from him. And that's what I urge you to do. Church, you cannot give if you don't have. 